0: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited to have Nicole Victoria here. And um, let's just dive right into it. So Nicole, do you want to maybe share uh, who you are and what you do?
1: Yes, amazing. Thank you so much, Kristen. I am so excited to be here. Um, So my name is Nicole Victoria, aka the No Budget Babe. I specialize in helping women in their 20s and 30s master their money and build bank accounts that never stop growing. (laughs) Um, I actually teach people using the method that I developed for myself. I did what I thought I was supposed to do. You know, I went to university, I got the corporate job, um, and was like, "Hey, I ha- I've done it. This is the end. I'm going to have all of the wealth and the money and the happiness." And I'm sitting there in this corporate job, and I'm forty thousand dollars in debt because of my student loans, and I have zero dollars in savings, and I'm like how am i ever <laughs> going to get ahead i wanted to be able to you know pay for a wedding i wanted to be able to buy a house i wanted to be debt free and feel financially stable enough for kids and i kept going back to you know the traditional advice of budgeting and that kind of thing and i was like you know this is just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work long-term. I feel restricted. There has to be another way. So I went back, I learned everything I could about personal finance, um, and turned my entire situation around. So using what I now call the making money moves method, um, it's a five-step method that I use to pay off that $40,000 of debt in 18 months and build a half a million dollar net worth in my twenties that has now grown to over a million dollars at 30 years old.
0: Wow. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And I'm so stoked and happy to have you here because I know that a lot of our um, the listeners on this podcast are really into money and money mindset and manifesting money and abundance. And I love that you mentioned budgets because I'm a big proponent for um, not having strict budgets. Um, Because I feel like it feeds into a scarcity mindset. Um, But I'd love to hear, I guess, your, your opinion or ideas around budgets and whether or not they should be used.
1: Yeah, OK, so you hit the nail on the head with that one when you said budgets further reinforce a scarcity mindset. That is 100% my belief. Um, I truly believe that it reinforces this thought that there's never enough, there's not going to be enough, and we have to allocate every single last dollar and know exactly where it's going because we just like don't have enough money otherwise. Um, and the thing is, you know, I'm a very data-driven person. And studies show time and time again, that budgets actually don't work long-term. So I believe that they're very similar to like diets. So I call budgets, the diets of the personal finance industry. Whereas, you know, you do really great for month one, month two, you do okay. And by month three, you fall off and you start binge spending or you start binge eating. Right. And we know that the best way to change your, you know, fitness situation or your health situation is not by going on a diet, it's by having a lifestyle change. So that's really what I'm a big proponent of and believe that mindset really plays a huge part in that, the psychology in why we're doing what we're doing or why we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Because the thing is, most of us know what we're supposed to do, right? We know we should spend less and save more and pay off our debt but we're not doing it. And our over-reliance on this budget is what's keeping us stuck. We're not actually addressing the real issues. We're using this externally imposed solution to an internal problem um, and wondering why it doesn't really work and wondering why we're not going to have long-term success. And it just keeps us on this treadmill and this vicious cycle of, you know, feeling good with our money and you know restricting ourselves, but doing well and saving and paying off all our debt and then feeling too restricted. So we binge and we treat ourselves and we deserve it, right? So that we keep going in this vicious cycle, but then we feel bad and we're like, oh no, we overspend. We can't spend anything. I need to have a no spend month. The thing is spending money is not the enemy. Spending out of alignment with our values and our goals is.
0: Mm. Yeah, that hits home. And I love that you said we're using an external solution for an internal problem. Uh, Because, you know, I feel like in society, we're always sold the external solutions. I mean, if you were to Google, you know, how to pay off your debt, you're going to get a million app recommendations for creating budgets. (laughs) You know, I've been there, you know, that was me a few years ago. Um, So I don't know, could you expand more on what that means, internal problem versus the external solution? And kind of what did that look like on your, on your journey to getting where you are?
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question, actually. So I'm saying an internal problem because a lot of times we are buying things, again, not because we don't know what to do, but we're buying them to fill uh, an emotional void, a perceived societal void, right? Somebody is telling us that we're not enough, so we're buying something to become more wanted more popular more liked and we're filling all of these emotions and these internal needs with these purchases without really ever addressing why we're doing it in the first place it's even like So, I mean, there's all of these studies that I've read about like, you know, the average millionaire, right? And when you think of a millionaire and I get this on TikTok all the time, you're a millionaire, why do you drive a Kia? Why don't you have a, you know, (laughs) 10,000 square foot house or whatever? And it's like, because actually the average millionaire is super frugal. They drive like a Honda or a Toyota and (laughs) they drive it into the ground and they put their money where it's going to make them more money. They don't spend it on, Rolexes and you know all of these different kinds of things. Um, usually, the people that are spending their money on those things are actually spending debt <laughs> to mm-hmm. put out the this view that they have a certain lifestyle, that they are richer and more successful than they actually are. And I can totally relate to that to that because. In the beginning, you know, I grew up in a lower middle-class household. We never had any money. Um, My dad was very sick for the majority of my life. So it was just my mom who was working and she was out of the workforce for a long time. So when she went back to work, she was driving a school bus or like working in a cafeteria or something like that. So we didn't have a ton of money. And so for me, I always believed that I needed to work hard to get money. And that when I worked hard to get money, I needed to show other people that I was successful, that I was now this person of status. So as soon as I got my first like big girl job, I went out and I bought like, you know, a $1,600 macage jacket. And I bought the, you know, $700 purse and the whatever, because I wanted to look successful, um, even though those things aren't success. And I have this saying, and I love it so much. I saw it on Twitter somewhere and it was, uh, what good is a Rolex if it just tells you when your lunch break is over? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) So that's kind of how my mindset has shifted. And I guess I kind of went on a tangent there, but a lot of times we are buying things and we are doing things not because it's what we actually need or want to do, but it's because we're kind of trying to fulfill what society has told us is best for us.
0: Right. So it's almost like this unconscious drive that's like pushing our actions. So if I'm understanding this correctly, right, we might think that we want the Rolex or the car, all of these things and put ourselves in debt. But really, unconsciously, we're trying to feel more worthy or be seen as more successful or make someone proud in the way that society programmed us to believe we have to.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. So in our program, we actually have had, um, you know, therapists and self-love and compassion coaches and, you know, people like that come in to do guest trainings for our students. And those are some of the sessions where a lot of people have like the biggest breakthroughs where they're like, Oh my God everything just clicked for me. And I don't even want to spend my money on this stuff anymore. Right. And that's where the real magic happens. When you don't want to spend on things that don't actually bring you joy, when you understand what your personal values and your personal goals are so that you want to put money towards those, you stop seeing money as a deprivation and you see it as buying your dream life or buying your goals in the future that's what we're really trying to work towards and that's what a budget does not address
0: right yeah I totally feel that and for people who are maybe like where you used to be who are like oh I have so much debt and I just don't know how I'm ever going to get through this and I'm spending too much money and I can't stop I mean what what would you suggest as the first steps would it be looking at your values and getting clear would it be um you know Figure out how to shift your spending habits to align or like what are those first steps?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So um, in our method, the way that we do it is the first step is mindset. Um, mm. the reason being I the first step is mindset, the second step is self-sabotage. And the reason I have it set up this way um, is because I want to set that solid foundation for our students when they come in, right? I want you to have that foundation so that when you learn the tactic, when you learn what accounts to use and how to pay off debt and how to invest, it's going to be long lasting. And it's actually going to work for you where a lot of people go wrong is they spend all of their time looking for the tactic, looking for the how to without ever actually addressing the behaviors. Um, they're not realizing that personal finance is actually 80% mindset and behavior and only 20% tactic. So it's very important that you understand the mindset and behavior piece, understand the self-sabotage piece and get that down pat before you try to implement the tactic, or it's never going to work for you. So step one, like I said, mindset, understanding what money is, understanding that money is nothing more than a tool, understanding what your personal thoughts are about money. Are you money avoidance? Are you money vigilance, right? Understanding, um, how you get in your own damn way. Because even when we know what we're supposed to do, we self-sabotage, right? So it's so important for us to understand why we self-sabotage and how to prevent it before it even happens. So that when we actually enact the strategies, they can last. Um, The next step in the method is, you know, understanding your goals, getting real with your goals um, and understanding your true values. A lot of people have, wishy-washy goals. And that is part of the reason why they're stuck, they're like, I want to pay off debt or I want to be rich. And it's like, great. When, how much money do you need? How are you going to do it? What do you need to do today to set yourself up for that success in the future? Um, we can relate this back to somebody saying, well, I want to lose weight or I want to get healthier. I want to get fit cool, we need to make that a smart goal, or that doesn't actually mean anything. Your wishy-washy goals are going to prevent you from knowing what to do and creating that roadmap to success. Um, From there, you need to do a deep dive into your financials. You need to understand where the money has been going and why, and decide if you like where it's been going. Does that feel good to you? Um, And then the last step in our process is, you know, reallocating those dollars, understanding how to grow those dollars um, and and really putting them towards your goals, you know, setting up those automatic deposits into your goals so that, you know, you are working towards your future and working towards the things that are really going to build you that dream life.
0: Mm, That's amazing. And I love that the first step is mindset because I know for me in my life, when I was trying to get, I mean, I was like completely broke for almost all of my adult life. Um, And I tried everything to get out of the cycle, like literally everything failed at a million online businesses, a million budgets, nothing ever worked. And it wasn't until I focused on the mindset that things started to shift. And it was like, I was taking the same physical action, but the stuff in here shifted. And then the physical action actually started to work. Um, and before that, you know, I had no idea that mindset even mattered and I uncovered all of these money blocks. I didn't know I had judgments about money and fear that of the way people would look at me if I had it and, mm-hmm. you know, thinking it would cause problems in my relationships. so much that I had to uncover. And so I'm just curious, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you work with so many people who have similar blocks. What do you feel have been like the biggest mindset blocks that most people have to work through or uncover be able to get to a point where they start shifting their reality around money?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to have to say one of the big ones is the belief that money or having money means that you're bad or money is inherently evil, that rich people are assholes. Um, and really showing people that money is the magnifier, you know, these rich assholes would have been assholes if they were poor right <laughs> so it's yes. not that it's not that the money made them an asshole it's just that that's who they are and they happen to have money um money doesn't define you again it just magnifies who you are um that's why we can see you know rich people that actually do really great things in the world and if we have this belief that money makes you a bad person even if it's unconscious we're not going to want money We're not going to want to have it. We're going to give it away. We're going to feel good about spending it and being in debt and identifying as somebody who is broke because we'll believe that that makes us a good person. We're a good person because we don't have money because if you have money, that means that you're bad.
0: Yeah, that's huge. So it's almost like you have to shift into believing that being rich is makes you just as good as a person as before you felt being poor. Like for me, it felt like oh, I'm more humble <laughs> yeah. um, if I'm poor if I have less money. Um, and for me, I felt like I could relate to more people if I didn't have money. But what I've also realized now is that I mean, before it was like it was almost out of empathy for people who didn't have money. I didn't want to be that person who had more. Mm-hmm. What I've realized is. Um, you know, holding back your financial reality out of empathy for others who don't have as much of you isn't helping them. (laughs) They're not getting richer because you're holding yourself back as well.
1: Exactly. You getting money could actually put you in a position to help those people, as opposed to you thinking that you need to shrink yourself to be liked. And that's even something that you need to explore then too. Why do I feel like I can't have success with money and that people are going to shame me for it? Like, where is that belief coming from? Is that, you know, Uh, our beliefs about money, what we believe about money, how we think about money, our internal money scripts, those are formed by the time we're seven years old. So that same seven-year-old you that like believes a fairy comes in at night and takes their teeth from (laughs) under their pillow and leaves them money, that's the one that has developed all of your thoughts and beliefs and rules about money. So if you never take the time to rewrite them, you still have the same thoughts and beliefs as that seven-year-old, right? So you're 20, 30, 40, 50, still having the same beliefs as a seven-year-old did. So you need to consciously um, rewrite them.
0: Right. And I, I started to notice, I've looked back at a lot of movies I used to watch a lot when I was a kid and I've noticed patterns are on the way that, um, people treat the rich people in movies or the, the roles that they play, right. They're always the rich people that are the snobby ones who don't have any fun, um, or the mean girls in high school, right? Like all these, all of these movies I watched on Disney channel, All the mean girls are the rich ones. And it created this stigma in my mind of, oh, I don't want to be like them. Um, especially as a child who just wants to fit in. And so I think it takes a lot of looking at all of that stuff, which can be very difficult to do um yeah. and triggering. But that's at least for me what made the biggest shift. So I love that you're actually speaking on this and helping people <laughs> with this. It's so cool. Um, but I want to hear more about, about your journey. So, you know, you were in debt and all of this. How did how did you actually uncover um that this is what was holding you back and, and what was the process of getting to, to where you are now? Was it a long process? Um, was it difficult? Um, how did that, what did it actually look like for you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely was, it wasn't an overnight thing for me. Um, and I started making success in certain areas and was still struggling in other areas. Right. So it wasn't a, you know, overnight, everything just changed, um, because there was a lot of learning for me to do in all of these different areas. So at first I focused very heavily on the tactic. Um, like when I was in university, I budgeted very hard. I did the jar method, and I just think back on this, I'm like, how insidious is it that you just like have all of your money in these clear jars, and you're like, oh, you know, there's some of it going away now, that's less for you later. And it's just, oh my goodness, like when I think back on it now, like the scarcity that that created in my life. Um, You know, I got to a point where I was 25. I had saved my first hundred thousand dollars and I was still so stressed about money. I couldn't sleep at night. I had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and I was like, oh my God, I don't have enough money. I need to get more. Um, I need to like stockpile it because I don't know if I'm ever going to like make money in the future. And it's like why did I feel like that? Right. And it's because of this scarcity mindset. So like I said, while in the beginning, the tactics started working for me, um, the mindset was something that I really had to continue working on. It's still something that I think that I, I have to go back and catch myself sometimes in, in, in thinking, I, I don't think it's ever a, you know, complete process. Um, it would have been great if, had, you know, like kind of the roadmap to success, the way that I've laid it out in the program. Um, because it's just somebody has gone through and they figured out all of the things and they put it into this specific right order and strategy for you. Um, however, you know, in my learnings, it really was a lot of trial and error to see what worked. It really was reading a lot of books and seeing what resonated with me, um, speaking with friends and family about it, and then seeing that really nobody else felt the same way that I did in the sense that. Um, there was just all of these, you know, internalized money beliefs. So I I read this book called the four hour work week, um, in my early twenties. And like, it changed my life in the sense that I was like, you can work four hours a week. What? (laughs) Like that, just, just the things that society, you know, you have to work nine to five, you have to work 40 hours a week. You have to work until you're 65. And even just breaking down those beliefs, you don't have to do any of that. Actually, you don't have to do anything. And this realization that I could actually do anything. And the world was actually, my oyster was like, I don't even know. It was like groundbreaking for me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because as our students come through the program, um, the third module as I was saying was talking about, you know, your values and your goals and that kind of thing. And a lot of people come in and they think that investing is going to be the most difficult part for them. That is the most difficult part. I have students that are stuck at that part. And they're like, But I can have anything, like yeah. (laughs) I like I don't really want a house and kids. I'm like, so don't. They're like, what? Like, so don't. (laughs) You can have anything you want, and when you realize that, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of scary because a lot of us, I don't think, have taken the time to understand who we truly are, like at a core. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me actually go back and say, I don't think you need to understand who you are, but you have to decide who you want to be. So we have, we have thousands of versions of ourselves living within ourselves. And by choice, we become one. And I think we forget that every day we wake up and we're choosing and that every day we wake up and it's going to be the same day over and over again until we choose differently. And I think for me, that was the the, the biggest thing to wrap my head around and it's kind of been, you know, I went from thinking that you had to, you know, get the corporate job and that's how you had to be successful. So I went to university, I got the corporate job, realized that wasn't the answer, realized I hated being in a cubicle, you know, eight hours a day, hated office politics. Um, from there, got my real estate license, so started selling real estate on the weekends, still working my corporate job during the week, then left my corporate job, went into real estate full-time was like amazing because now I have like unlimited earning potential and I get to talk to people and see people and set my own schedule. Um, But then I also quickly realized, okay, um, you know, you're making good money. You have to make sure number one, you have something to show for it, um, but also your time. Like I was working from like seven o'clock in the morning until like, I don't know, sometimes I'd wake up at 2 a.m. to a phone call, have to get up and go do an offer or something. And I did a live about this the other day where I was in preterm labor with my son, and I was still sitting there in the hospital bed writing offers, sending emails. And like, I'm so disgusted at myself because I wore that as a badge of honor for so long. I was like, yeah, I'm so busy. I'm like selling all the houses. I'm in preterm labor with my son, and I'm still writing offers. But I look back now and I'm like, no, that's gross. <laughs> that's gross that I couldn't even take that time to focus on spending it in, in the moment and stuff. So suffice to say, there's been a lot of changes along the way where I've learned, you know, the tactic and learning how to invest in real estate and stocks and how to grow my money, but also changing my mindset in the way that I think about time and money and what's actually more valuable.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, I've been there with the working really hard and wearing it as a badge of honor, And I think it's interesting because I've seen this happen a lot of times, not just for me, but, you know, you leave the corporate life and the working really hard for freedom, right? And then you find that you actually still don't have freedom because you're working, working, working. And I think it comes from a lot of, at least for me, you know, our education system and being rewarded for working hard and learning that you're worthy if you're achieving and being productive and working all day. And that can be a difficult cycle to break. But on the other hand, um, you know, I think you you mentioned this about um, the freedom thing and how you can be anyone and how it is actually a little bit scary. And I think a part of me when I was leaving my corporate job was terrified of the freedom that I thought I wanted. You know, I think you, we say we want this freedom, but then when you actually get it, you're like, wait, now I have to decide. No one is no longer, no one is telling me what to do with my life or who I'm going to be or what my goal should be, right? When you say goodbye to society's standards. Um, but no one tells you that when you say goodbye to that, it's freaking terrifying because suddenly you're in charge of your life. Um, and so I think that, um, it takes a lot of courage to actually be able to say goodbye to all of the standards that society has laid out for us and decide who you're going to become. Um,
1: 100%. because it's
0: not easy. <laughs>
1: no, I totally agree. And it's crazy. I have this, uh, I have a TikTok I put up the other day, And it was talking about how, you know, get your money working harder than you do, right? Mm -hmm. If you always trade hours for dollars, there's always going to be a limit to how much you can make. And you just physically cannot work enough to save enough for retirement. You have to learn how to invest at the very least for retirement, but you should be investing for your other goals as well. Um, And I have this like older man who (laughs) commented on the TikTok and was basically just like, well, I'm actually a good person because I work hard for my money. And (laughs) It blew my mind a little bit. I was like feeling a little spicy. I had to put my phone down. I was like, no, (laughs) no spicy responses. (laughs) But I'm like, working hard isn't a badge of honor, right? Mm -hmm. Like learn how to employ your dollars so you can relax. This is where most people go wrong. They work and then their money sits in their account relaxing. No, no turn it around, employ your dollars, put your dollars to work, and then you can slowly start to relax over time. You can travel more. You can spend more time with friends and family. You can pursue your passions. You can work a job that you love, not one that you hate for the money, right? When you get your money working for you, the whole thing changes. And I think there are so many blocks to being able to do that because again, especially with the older generation, I think they believe that you have to work hard for your money and hard work makes you a good person. Um, like, I think my mother-in-law too just like, what you guys are gonna be like work optional a few years. Like, what will you do with your life? <laughs> uh, like everything that I want to do, <laughs> like yeah. I, it's just, yeah, it's crazy to me how people think that, you know, you have to be defined by what you do for work. And that there's nothing else in life for you if you don't work. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And I think it comes back to that fear of freedom, because if you're free to not work all day long, then, oh my gosh, you're going to be alone with yourself. And what if you don't actually love yourself? What if you don't even like yourself? You know? So I feel like, especially from what you said, it sounds like a lot of this process is a journey back to self-love and feeling worthy based on who you are and not based on anything outside of you. Um, I don't know. Is that an accurate assumption?
1: Yeah, I think so. 100%. So it's funny, like our, our program is really like, yes, we're going to teach you how to master your money. I'm going to teach you how to build that fat bank account, but really I'm going to help you change your whole life. So our students come through and they're like, Nicole, I'm sleeping better. Nicole, I'm <laughs> losing weight. I am less stressed. My, my boyfriend tells me I'm so happy and he's never seen me like this. And it's not because they're like just automatically rich. It's because they're changing their whole life. They're changing the way they look at their life and the way that they experience things. And they're feeling good because they have a plan and a roadmap to success. And it's just, I literally have goosebumps right now because it's just, it's such a, a beautiful thing. And I just love watching people go after their goals and really see that what they want in life is possible for them.
0: Mm, yes. I got goosebumps too. When you were saying that, <laughs> um, for sure, because I think also my past self included many people think that the money is going to change your life and the money is going to make you feel better. And like, you'll finally sleep well. And like your anxiety will go away when you're a millionaire or when you're a six figure earner, whatever. Um, but what it truly is, is like you are going to change your life. And when you feel better, outside of everything else, then it becomes easier to amass the wealth and whatever else you want. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that is something that most people don't realize until they start the journey, which is how I love that you mentioned you had hundred K saved and you were anxious and couldn't sleep. (laughs) Cause I, I mean, when I first started making six figures, I was the same way. I had more anxiety than when I was broke because suddenly it was like, wait, how do I earn more next month? And if I don't earn more or in the same amount, then I feel unworthy. And so it's, I really want people to understand that like the money isn't going to solve your problems. Um, Mm -hmm. It's up to you to actually face them and work through uh, through them. And when you do that, um, then it's easier to attract everything else and actually hold on to it and attract the life you actually want, Um, you know, but it takes actual willingness to get uncomfortable to get there.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people think, they want the money, but in reality, they want the lifestyle that comes along with it. They want the feelings of safety and security and freedom, right? They, you don't physically want a hundred million Benjamins in the bank, like whatever. You don't want the paper. You want the feelings that come along with it. So yeah. learn how to craft those feelings right before you get the money. Yeah. And when the money comes, it's going to be that much better. Yes,
0: Absolutely. And I know that you're big on talking about how women shouldn't have to depend on a man for financial support. Um, so do you want to just expand on that? Um, why is that so strong in your belief system and, um, what is the reason that women should become financially stable on their own?
1: Yeah. So I've always been, um, an independent person. I always wanted to, Um, you know, have my own money and set my own self up. And I think maybe some of that comes from like past trauma, but we won't (laughs) go there, (laughs) but from those learnings, you know, I have seen how people in the opposite kind of a situation can get stuck. So, um, I mean, the first thing to really talk about are the statistics. I mean, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Okay. So if we are thinking that our husband's going to take care of us forever. Fifty um, percent of the time, it's probably not going to happen. Okay. Um, additionally, you know, having an imbalance of financial power in a relationship can have an imbalance in the relationship, and it can cause problems in other areas. Finances are one of the leading causes of divorce. So I really truly believe um, that even if you're, you know, partnered up with somebody, that you have your own money. Like, you know, my husband and I, we have our own accounts, right? I recommend you have yours, his, and ours. You can have a, you know, a joint account for your joint expenses, but then you also have your own accounts, number one, so that you can track where you're actually spending your money to see if it's going where you want it to go. Um, And number two, again, so that you don't have this kind of, you know, feelings of imbalance in the relationship. Um, Additionally, this over-reliance on your husband or your partner to take care of the financials, could cause you to be in poverty later in life. So I think the numbers are, um, Oh, don't quote me on these, but I think there's 70% of seniors living in poverty are female. And then three quarters of them were not living in poverty when their husbands were alive. So their husbands passed away. Now they're living in poverty because they didn't manage the money. They don't know anything about the money. They just totally take a step back and let them handle it. And that, In and of itself is is so scary um i think there are other reasons too i mean you really want to make sure that you have i I get so many messages from women who are stuck in relationships who are in abusive relationships who cannot leave they don't have the financial means to leave and i just i just it hurts my heart so much Um, because I just, I never want somebody to feel like they're stuck in a situation, especially an abusive situation that they can't get out of because they don't have the financial means to do so. Um, there's also so many situations that I have seen of people being like, my husband left me. He was shitty with money. Um, I co-signed all these loans for him. Now the bank's like repoing my house. Mm. Now I have, you know, a. 400 credit score and I can't do anything. I have this, 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 this. I'm paying back all of his debts. I'm in bankruptcy because of him. And they're not choices that these people made. Maybe their husbands were gambling addicts or whatever it was. And because they were ambivalent, um, they really got taken down as well. So I, I just did a training yesterday, actually, for the girls in the program. A lot of them kept asking, how do you get your partner on board with your financial goals? And one of the things I said, you know, I gave all the tips and the strategies and stuff, but one of the things that I said at the end was, if your partner refuses to be financially responsible, you have to protect yourself. You have to protect yourself. And we don't want to think this way, But we have to, if they refuse to be financially responsible, don't have shared bank accounts, don't have shared credit cards, don't co-sign any leases or loans or any of that kind of stuff. Keep all of that completely separate so that you are protected.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, I honestly have never even heard someone speak about um, financial confidence this way. And I think it's so important because I think from a young age, once again, we're programmed um, so unconsciously. So we might not even realize it, that men are the ones who should understand the finances and take charge of it and have the financial literacy. And, you know, I think I agree with you, everything you're saying. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because I've gotten the same messages from women who are asking me, you know, how do I manifest myself out of this situation? You know, I need to leave him, but I can't because they don't have the money. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I wish that this was taught at such a young age, But I'm happy that at least the resources are out there and you're sharing this with the world now. Um, And so for women who feel like they don't have any financial literacy, um, what would you say are the first steps? You know, is it most important to learn about investing? Um, Like, what is the most important thing to dive into first? Because I know it might seem overwhelming for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing that you really want to learn how to do is to start saving. So I know everybody wants to learn how to invest and it's sexy and you're like, my (laughs) money is going to make me money. This is amazing. Um, but before we get to that point, guys, we need to have an emergency fund, right? We need to have our high interest debt paid off because we don't ever want to invest money we need in the next short term. Why? Um, because the markets are volatile, right? The way I teach investing is, you know, rule number one, don't lose money. <laughs> don't lose money. So everything that I teach is with not losing money in mind. Cause no one wants to lose money. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You set yourself up with a solid foundation first and then understand, you know, working backwards from your goals, which investments you're going to choose. Cause not every investment is right for every person and not every investment is right for every goal. One thing I will say also right now is if you try to get rich quick, like be, be prepared to lose all of your money. Right. Um, I heard Gary V say this and I was like, oh my God, nothing has ever been more true where somebody was in his audience and they were like, Gary, I invested in this thing and I lost all of my money blah, blah. And he was like, were you trying to get rich quick? Yeah. Okay. That's why you don't get rich quick. You get rich, slow and steady. Anyone who's promising you get rich quick is lying to you. And again, I get so many DMs and messages from people being like, I was told if I, you know, send $15,000 for this crypto, then I'll be a millionaire in two weeks. And I'm like, no, please don't do it. (laughs) Right. Anything that sounds too good to be true Probably is, um, but in terms of you know really what are the first steps to take, like I said, your emergency fund, paying off your high-interest debt, getting real with your goals, um, and, and really understanding and working backwards from there, we have a ton of freebies to help people get started as well. We have a free webinar called From Broke to Ballin, which goes into more detail about the exact five-step method that I was talking about previously um, that helped me go from $40,000 in debt to a millionaire today at 30 years old. And we also have another one that is helping our students save like thousands of dollars. It's incredible. It's called 30 days to 100K. So we go over some basics to saving money, um, You know how to negotiate your bills so that you can save more money without changing your lifestyle, and then building up to some basics about investing. So I would say if someone's just starting out, starting out with those freebies um, could be a really, really great opportunity for them to learn some of the personal finance basics and what we teach.
0: Amazing. And I'm going to make sure we have both of those linked in the show notes so everyone can go grab those after they listen, which I highly recommend everyone do. And so for people who feel like they've, they're past those first two stages, you know, they've saved money. They don't have debt. Do you think it's important for every single person to learn how to invest?
1: Yes. Yes. I think that investing is a non-negotiable. So the average American makes $1.6 million in their lifetime and is expected to need $1.7 million to retire. Even if you save every dollar you ever made, which is impossible. Okay. (laughs) You would not have enough to retire. You have to learn how to invest to get your money working harder than you do. If you think of it this way, there is a, a cap on how many hours you have to trade for money, right? There's 24 hours in a day. We need to eat and sleep and you know, those kind of things. Um, and there's also a cap to how much you can make in your current industry and your current profession, right? There's a range, maybe the salary range is 50 to 70 K a year. Okay. That's what you can make in your profession. If you are only ever trading hours for dollars, there is always a limit to how much you can make. When you learn how to employ your money and you learn how to invest your money can work harder than you do. Your money can work while you sleep. Money is the best worker. It can work 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. It doesn't ask for a break. It doesn't need to go home at five for a dentist appointment. Like it literally can work for you all the time. Um, And if it's just sitting in a savings account, it is wasting away. So you really need to learn how to, you know, get that money working for you. And if your goal is wealth building, the average millionaire has seven streams of income, right? The average American has one. So that's the difference, right? The millionaires, they do things a little bit differently than the middle class. The middle class will work for their money and then use that money to fund their lifestyle. The rich will work for money, use that money to buy income producing assets, right? Stocks, rental real estate. And then from there, they will use the money generated by those investments to live their life. So they get to a point, right? Maybe it's not you know, this rich person, but their parents or whatever it was, but they get to a point where their investments generate so much money that you don't have to work anymore. Um, so this is actually what we talk a lot about. We have another freebie that we're launching right now called how the rich get rich. So we have the beginner starter stuff that we just talked about, and then we have the next level up. So if you're like, okay, I'm good. I, I have a growing savings account. Um, I don't really have any high interest debt. I want to learn how to put my money to work. I want to learn about stocks and real estate and that kind of thing. Then this would be the freebie for you. Um, It's going to be freaking life-changing. It's amazing. It's over an hour of content. You know, some of the biggest pitfalls that can come up, um, what that prevent you from getting rich and most people building wealth, Um, you know, the seven streams of income that most millionaires have, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be awesome.
0: Amazing. And I want to hear more about the program that you offer. I know you mentioned a few times, so who is it, who is it right for? And, um, you know, what is, what is ultimate end result of that program?
1: Amazing. Yeah. So we actually are launching a second program. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we realized that we have two distinct groups in our community. We have the people that are just starting out that need to learn. Like I said, you know, how to increase your credit score, how to actually save money, how to understand where your money's going, feel good about where it's going, um, you know, basics to investing, all that kind of stuff. So that's group one. Group two is like, hey, I have all of that down pat. I want to work towards early retirement. I want to work towards, you know, maybe not having a job that I hate <laughs> anymore and just doing it for the money. I want more freedom and flexibility and whatever it is. Maybe they have thought about starting a business, any of that kind of stuff. So that would be group two. So for group one, we have the method that I talked about previously a lot during this um, podcast, which is the making money moves method. So that is our five step signature process that takes you from, you know, mindset, self sabotage, goal setting, deep dive into your financials, investing, that kind of thing. Um, My goal for that is a complete financial transformation. And you are going to come out of that feeling really, really good about where you are. You're going to know where your money is going. A lot of our students are saving thousands of dollars a month. Within the first 60 days. Like it's crazy Uh, just by implementing the strategies and the tips and tools and stuff that we have available. Um, Group number two is again a coaching program. We're actually just launching this program in a couple of weeks. Um, It is called Income Multiplier. So it is where we are going to teach you exactly how to build out your seven streams of income. So we're going to teach you about you know, building out a side hustle, building out a real estate business, starting with rental real estate, um, investing in mortgage investment corporations, the stock market, early retirement, like all of that kind of stuff. So typically what I say is, you know, the making money moves method is step one. And then if you want more after that, if you're like, Hey, I know like the basics to investing, I know where my money's going, but I want to work towards financial independence or early retirement or anything like that that income multiplier is going to be step two from that and it's going to be freaking phenomenal
0: amazing that all sounds so incredible I'm going to once again make sure everything is linked below so people can check it out and um just one more question before we go then I'll have you share how we can connect with you on social media um if you had the version of yourself um sitting in front of you from when you were I think you said 40k in debt or whatever it was and budgeting all the time and not feeling good about where your life was headed and your money, um, what would you tell yourself?
1: That is such a great question. Okay. Um, two things. So I would say that you need to stop playing the victim in your life. Um, for a long time, I felt like everything was happening to me. I was like angry at my parents that they didn't like pay for my university and set my, me up better for success. Cause you know, my friend's parents paid for them or whatever it was. Um, I was angry at the economy for not providing better jobs. I was angry at the government for allowing student loans to be so predatory. I was literally angry at anyone and everyone and I blamed everything for my situation. Um, and it wasn't until I started to take radical responsibility for everything in my life that everything started to change. Um, so, the thing that I would say would be stop playing the victim um, in your life, right? Things aren't happening to you, they're happening because of you. Um, and the next thing that I would say really is start asking, how can I move from that fixed mindset to that growth mindset, the mindset that you know, knows that maybe we're not all going to be Albert Einstein, but who knows who we could be with the right passion, opportunity, education, timeline, and grit. So those three magic words, how can I will change your entire life. When you get into a situation, instead of saying, I can't, instead of saying it's not possible, ask yourself how it could be. How can you have the things that you want in life? How can you move ahead? How can you pay off that debt? How can you become a freaking millionaire at 30 years old?
0: Mm. I got chills. <laughs> that at home. Uh, thank you. Um, that was amazing. And um, how can people connect with you? Um, uh, if they want to reach out to you or if, you know, I know you mentioned TikTok, Instagram. How should people find you?
1: I love it. Okay, so Um, If you guys have questions after this, we have an incredible Facebook community. I think there's almost 40,000 people in our Facebook group now. Um, So you can search master your money and build a bank account that never stops growing. It's an incredible group. And we go live in there once a month for Mega Money Mondays and I offer free money coaching. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram. We post a ton of money related content there at No Budget Babe. And TikTok is awesome as well at No Budget Babe.
0: Amazing. Well, I highly recommend that everyone go and connect with her on all of these platforms uh, because you are incredible. And I'm so honored that you are here to share all of this with us. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. This is amazing.